Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, alongside the Fantasy Hall of Famer, Michael Fabiano, and the Fantasy Viper, Graham Barfield. Fabs, welcome back, man. It's good to see you. If, uh, if the virus that took over my body for, like, the last, like, you know, week and a half was the uh, San Francisco 49ers, and clearly I was the Green Bay Packers because I got my ass kicked. <laughs> I got my butt kicked by this thing. The doctors didn't know what it was. It wasn't the flu. It wasn't mono. It wasn't strep throat. It was just some virus, man, and I had like 104 fever Oof. for like three days. Fever was over 102 for a week straight. Wow. Yeah, dude, it was... Sounds like pain. It was brutal, man. Sounds like It pain. was literally, I, and this is gross, but I literally went through <laughs> at least two shirts a night. Oof. Because I was just sweating through everything it was you just, brutal you just put a fan on you or something no it didn't matter because like two seconds later i was freezing my butt off wow. it was one of those it was brutal man yeah well and matthew got sick so uh but yeah i'm back welcome back man. thank you um thank you it's yeah. nice to be back among the living yeah uh so uh we got plenty to talk about on today's show uh some news and those we'll get through um the big one though We'll debate Eli Manning because, I mean, why not? Um, also, since Fabs is back, he just recently put out his top 200 for Dynasty Leagues. Um, so we'll get through some of that as well. Just, uh, you know, after perusing through it, some questions I had. And uh, we're going to force you to, to account for yourself. Sounds uh, good. <laughs> what you did with your list. Uh, plus, uh, some thoughts just on, on Kobe Bryant because that was obviously the biggest story of the weekend. So we'll kind of get to that a little Heartbreak. bit later in the, in the show as well. Um, 
Before we do that, though, of course, we'll go behind the glass, talk to our faithful producer, Senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. Murph, what's up? First of all, I'd just like to say, obviously, Fab's great to see you back here. And uh, guys, now we are in Super Bowl week, which is crazy. It flew by so fast. Right. But the best thing about this week, at least for me and Marcus, you will not agree with this because I'm sure you're very nervous because your uh, your Niners are playing. But for me, no Eagles, no Patriots, no rival. <laughs> Chiefs win, great, great story from Mahomes in the offensive juggernaut. Andy Reid, great story there. 49ers win. It's the Jimmy G trade, great defense. You know, Kyle Shanahan, the team John Lynch built, great story there. I could sit back, relax, enjoy either winner. There's no pressure. I'm not going to be mad one way or the other. It is a great <laughs> feeling to be in the Super Bowl week. You know, I'll tell you this. At least as of right now on this Monday, um, I'm very calm. Nice. I, I feel I feel very calm. Now, you know, when, probably when we get to Sunday, I, I'm the kind of person who doesn't really get nervous until like right That's as good. the thing is happening. Very good. Um, so, and I said, I think I told Graham this uh, even leading up to the, the NFC Championship game. Like, I felt like they're sort of playing with house money, right? Like, nobody expected 13-3 and three and them to, to be playing for a Super Bowl. So, in a lot of ways... Even if they had lost uh, in the championship game, I would have been disappointed, but not heart not heartbroken. Um, but I do imagine when we get to Sunday, I'll probably be a, a bundle of nerves. I will say you are like in the one percent of fans that you just don't really get disturbed. Like you're just yeah. kind of even, and you don't really go up and down. It's a great quality. It's, I also it is jealous. Good I'm so jealous. Yeah, I, know, I think. It is. Well, it depends. Like you know, with the Dodgers, I'm sort of more up and down. When USC is good, I'm more up and down. I think okay. part of it is that when I started working here, the Niners weren't very good. And I sort of made the decision to kind of emotionally divorce myself from it because I'm like, if I can't be here every Sunday and be upset when they lose, it's just not going to be yeah. productive. And so I think that is that has sort of helped a little bit. So that's the right outlook. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, I'm sure, like I said, by the time we get to Sunday, I'll feel a little bit. But different. you, I, I, so I, clearly, you know, you were a Niners fan for the Steve Young mm -hmm. Super Bowl against San Diego. Yep. Now, when did you start? I mean, were you a fan of you I, know yeah. Joe Joe Cool? I was, I was growing up as a kid. I mean, so. When the Raiders left Oakland the first time, mm -hmm. uh, I was, I think, three years old, four years old. I was pretty young when they left the first time. And so the Niners were the only you know NFL team we had up there. And, you know, at that time, I mean, they won the Super Bowl after the 81 season, January of 82. Mm -hmm. no. So for most of my childhood, the 49ers were good. I mean, I you know, right. had Joe yep. Montana and Jerry right. Rice and then transitioned to Steve Young. So, yeah, it was. I hated the Niners. I'm sure you did. Oh, I'm sure you did. But, yeah. yeah, as a kid, it was easy for me to be a 49er fan right. because they were playing good football and the Raiders were in Los Angeles. So, yeah. yeah. You were growing up during the heyday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yep. There were very few teams that were better than the Niners during that stretch. Yeah, yeah the catch, that was that was my first heartbreaking moment as a sports fan. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I've, 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 I go way back with the 49ers. So, yeah. So, yeah. This has been interesting. It'll be a really, really fun Sunday, I think. So, all right. Let's do some news. The news. Uh, we will start in New Orleans. Mickey Loomis, the general manager of the Saints, says there is nothing different. Uh, they want Drew Brees to come back next season as their quarterback. Drew Brees himself has said if he comes back for the 2020 season, it will be with the New Orleans Saints. Look, it was a, a very good year for Brees, uh, both on the field, certainly fantasy-wise. He did miss some time, obviously, with an injury, but when he was on the field, uh, he was fantastic, as always. Uh, Fabs, we'll get to your, your Dynasty Top 200 a little bit later on in the show. But, I mean, if Drew Brees comes back, I would imagine he is potentially a top 10 quarterback drafted in most leagues. Yeah, I'd say back of the top 10. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that he finished. I mean, he had, he had like one of the greatest finishes uh, ever uh, for a quarterback in terms of 
points. I think it was 91 fantasy points during the three-week stretch of the yeah. fantasy playoffs. I think it was the, the most ever by a quarterback. So, I mean, he, he still showed that despite his extended age that he could still get it done. Uh, you know, I, I still have question marks about him, you know, when he's on the road and outdoor game. We've seen that kind of thing where he struggled, but... I mean, he's got Michael Thomas. Traquan's had another season in the league. You know, he's still got a lot of offensive talent. Maybe they add somebody through the draft or in the offseason through free agency. So if Breeze is back, not not top five Breeze, yeah. but I would say probably nine or ten. Yeah. Well, Breeze this past year when he was active, he finished the year tied as the QB5 with Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes. Now, granted, Mahomes had a game in there, too, where he got hurt. So did Drew Breeze. So maybe they were... A little bit higher, but when Breeze was out there, like you mentioned, Marcus, he was still fantastic. Yeah, so uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. I mean, look, if if for whatever reason he doesn't come back, I guess what that puts Teddy Bridgewater right there, top of the list. Taysom Hill maybe gets some quarterback snaps. I know, that was knows. the thing when when <laughs> when Breeze originally got hurt, I thought Taysom Hill and Bridgewater would kind of share. Right, it was mainly just Teddy. Back it was there mostly Bridgewater, five and zero without Breeze, and yeah. it worked. Uh, Taysom has been more the Swiss Army knife, yes. doing a little bit of everything yes. there for uh, for Sean Payton. Yep. Uh, further south in Miami, the Dolphins front office, they say they fully expect Ryan Fitzpatrick to be back in 2020. Now, also, they're also saying that they uh, they have enough ammo to move up in the draft if they want to. The obvious speculation there being that if they move up, it is to go get Tua Tangovaloa coming out of Alabama. Um, look. I mean, Graham, we, we sort of joked about it. Fitzpatrick was the leading rusher for the Dolphins this past season, but he played well enough. Um, does anything change if it's, you know, in, in terms of the skill position players you're drafting, if it is Fitzpatrick versus, say, Tua next right. year? It only makes sense for them to bring back Fitz. After this past year, he played, right. I mean, he was he was, played really well for them. Uh, got Devontae Parker a fat new contract. And yeah, of course the Dolphins have enough picks to go go get Tua. I mean, they have two first rounders. They've got two second rounders. They've got a bunch of threes, too. I mean, they've got a lot of juice to get after it. And it, it would be a perfect I think a perfect kind of situation for them to move up, go get Tua, and have this kind of you know, nice little. I mean, it, it's crazy to say, but the Dolphins would have a good quarterback stable if they have <laughs> to both Tua and Fitz. Let me ask you guys a question here because I'm going to throw a few, a few stats at you here. Fitzpatrick opens the season as the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. Okay, since 2018, he's averaged more fantasy points than Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Carson Wentz, and Kirk Cousins. Okay, wow. uh, from weeks nine to 17 this past season. Christian McCaffrey, Lamar Jackson, Michael Thomas were the top three scoring fantasy players. The fourth was Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> uh, Ryan Tannehill took over as a Titans starting quarterback in week seven. Over those final 10 games, the only quarterbacks to score more fantasy points were Lamar Jackson and Ryan Fitzpatrick. So if Fitzpatrick is the starting quarterback for the Dolphins next season and, you know, you're, you're out there in the late round pick, Tom Brady's out there, Kirk Cousins is out there, Ryan Fitzpatrick's out there. Who are you going with? <laughs> Leading rusher, Ryan. <laughs> I, I mean, really, isn't it crazy? But like, yeah. I mean, he's been really good. Yeah. People forget the games that he started for Tampa Bay because it was like it was like Fitzpatrick uh, two seasons ago, and then when Jameis came in. If you combine their fantasy points, they were like one of the top three quarterbacks in fantasy football. Fitzpatrick's been really, really good since right. 2018 I, when he's played. So I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is like one of the coolest case studies ever of why we need to split fantasy football from real life. Like mm -hmm. Ryan Fitzpatrick is just throwing decaf balls down the field and, <laughs> and competing on every single play and and uh, and scrambling and like putting his head down. Like most quarterbacks are not 
playing in that in terms of that with I mean, that play he pl- style. He literally plays like every snap could be his last. Yeah, he really yeah. does. I mean, it's it's it, that's why he and Jameis were so perfect together in 2018. <laughs> they were basically the same guy. They just throw Yolo balls and and try to make things happen. It was it was great, but it's the antithesis of Ant- Aaron Rodgers at this point. Rodgers is just a he's a really good game manager with a fantastic arm. Where fits. Imagine like, that statement just came out of Graham's. I mean, mouth. yeah, it's, a, and, and, it's hard to argue. I mean, yeah. it is. I know. But Fitzpatrick's a dra- he's a draftable asset if yeah, he's a starter he for the Dolphins. Absolutely. He absolutely is. At, at what, it'd be 38. It'll be interesting to see how Tua's health progresses because I think right. everybody expected him to kind of miss 2020 right. yeah. and sit it out. But it sort of sounds like he's going to be pretty close to health by the time training camp uh, rolls around when whomever drafts him. Yeah. Uh, also, side note. Uh, this is the end for Josh Rosen, right? It's over. Oh, no. He's got to go someplace and it's, be a backup. It's, it's and, over. And yeah. yeah, I feel bad for that dude. Yeah, Marcus, I mean, is it time for us to give up our truth or status? It is. Yeah. It is. You know, I hung on for a while, but at this point, one, the opportunities isn't coming anytime soon. And you know, in the past, when the opportunity was there, he just didn't really do anything with. Well, it. right now, too. I mean, outside of maybe what Chicago, who's going to trade for him? No, I don't think anybody really yeah. will. So, yeah, I think that I think that dream is over. So, uh, in Washington, Case Keenum. Speaking of truthers, uh, I guess he's no longer a Case Keenum truther. Apparently, he has said it's Dwayne Haskins' team moving forward. Obviously, what we saw of him this past year, Fab Haskins needs some work. We'll see what he does in the offseason to sort of progress. Mm-hmm. Um, but Terry McLaurin was having a great start to the year. His value sort of sunk when when Haskins came in and got took better over. though towards the end. It did. Yeah. It, it got did. better. Uh, I mean, what are your your expectations? Your thoughts on if Haskins really truly is the starter next year? He's going to be. I mean, there's no question about that. Uh, unless the Redskins do something crazy in the draft, you know, uh, yeah. in a couple of months. But I, I would think Haskins would be the guy. He's not going to be drafted in fantasy leagues, but I, I I do. At least there was a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel because when when Keenum was the quarterback, McLaurin was tremendous, and then Haskins came in and, and, and McLaurin disappeared. He was dropped in some leagues, but again, towards the end of the season, started to click. And these guys clearly have a rapport together. They played together at Ohio State, so I, I think I, I I like McLaurin. I, I mm-hmm. he, how many times in the last decade have we seen wide receivers really bust out like in that second season? Right. Yeah. Right. McLaurin could end up being that guy. And, I mean, this is going to be a, a complete offseason, mini camps, training camps, where Haskins is going to be the guy. He's going to be taking the first team reps throughout. And, uh, he, you know, he, he, he gained some valuable experience as a starting quarterback. Uh, some of it not, didn't look very great. But uh, I feel like McLaurin uh, is still going to be one of those guys who could potentially be a breakout candidate in 2020. Yeah, I think I think you know, he's going to be interesting to watch. And, and- just curious to see how Dwayne Haskins progresses, and I think that's going to have a yeah. lot to do with this offense. So Redskins got to wrap him with with some some toys there, though. They do. They, they, do. they, they, they I, hopefully Darius is going to be good in that backfield, but they, they need to they need to give him some toys. Yeah, Terry McLaurin's coming off. I mean, just a really great season. I mean, over the last thirty years, uh, McLaurin is fourth in receiving yards for any receiver draft in the third round or later. Uh, Cooper Cup, Ty Hilton are in the top six. Like Marcus Colston, Keen Allen, guys up there too. I mean. McLaurin's coming off a historic season. I mean, I think if you're, we're about to talk dynasty, but if you want to yep. buy on buy on McLaurin, now is the uh, now is the time to do it because his value could skyrocket after the 2020 season. Yeah, no doubt. So, all right, there you go. That's pretty much everything you need to know. Like that 
was the news. All right. So the one headline that I did not include in our news section because I wanted to save it for here was the thing that happened on Friday in the NFL where Eli Manning made it official. He announced his retirement from professional football after 16 seasons, which immediately launched the conversation about whether or not Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. Now, there right now seem to be two camps about this. Um, that he you know, was a guy who during the regular season was just kind of okay, and that shouldn't be enough to get him in. The other side saying, well, look, he had two amazing uh, playoff runs. He won two Super Bowls. Not only did he win two Super Bowls, but he beat Tom Brady and the Patriots in both of those Super Bowls, won some MVPs, uh, won Super Bowl MVPs, uh, and that alone should be enough, that you can't tell the story of the NFL without the Patriots, you can't tell the story of the Patriots without Eli Manning, and that should be enough. That debate is going to go on for the next five years, probably even beyond that, whatever happens with Eli Manning's Hall of Fame status. But I always like to ask the question a little more, you know, focused because we're a fantasy football podcast. So when it comes to Eli Manning and fantasy football, the postseason has nothing to do with it. What Eli does, you know, in January and beyond has nothing to do with his fantasy stats because we are done playing. So the question is, is Eli Manning a fantasy football Hall of Famer? Does he go in our fantasy ring of honor? I say no. Just, be- just because, I mean, there weren't enough top-level finishes. I mean, he was obviously a great compiler, mm-hmm. uh, had fantastic longevity. I know that's, uh, that's definitely a criteria for a lot of Hall of Fame voters. I don't know if it should be, but um, <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't see it. I will say, though. Eli supported a bunch of really good receivers in his uh, in his time with the Giants. Uh, right over his entire starting career, Eli supported 16 top 20 fantasy receivers, and a bunch of those were like top 10 guys. I mean, granted, he had a bunch of talent around him, even dating back well before Odell Beckham, like Victor Cruz, Mario Manningham, Plexico Burris. All of those guys were mm-hmm. really top in fantasy talent. So I don't think Eli's in the fantasy Hall of Fame, but he's definitely helped get you know, good receivers, uh, you know, good fantasy seasons. Yeah. What's funny is that uh, his highest finish as a fantasy quarterback was fifth. Yes. Wow. 2005. And, and he only had 224 fantasy points. Like that was a, and we're talking about a different era too. I mean, but you are, you want to look at the, the top quarterback was Carson Palmer that, that he had 265 points. You know, we're, now we're talking about Mahomes and, 400 points and, and Lamar Jackson <laughs> going over 400. So it's clearly right. different. But you're looking at a top 10 that had Trent Green in it and Jake Plummer in it and Kerry Collins in it. So, I mean, Eli was fine, but Hall of Famer? Man. So that in that no. in his QB5 season in 2005, he threw 17 17 picks. Yeah. Yep. That's just, I mean, 24, 24 touchdowns and 17 picks. You'd be mm-hmm. like the QB22 right now. Yeah. During this era. I know. I, mean, obviously it, I didn't even break 3,800 passing yards that year either. So, yeah. I mean, so in, different time in his career, six top 10 finishes. As Faz mentioned, the QB five in 2005. He was QB six in 2011. Uh, three seasons with 30 plus touchdowns. That was an awful season for quarterbacks. Oh, my God. <laughs> Far, Favre was 15th. And you remember, Favre had some seasons where he wasn't very good. Uh, and he had 16 starts that season. McNair had 14 starts and he was 14th. Mark Brunel was 13 i mean this is uh, hell drew Brees. i'm sorry uh drew Brees was ninth drew bledsoe was 11th was it wow. 2005 Favre's Jameis year for the cowboys that's the year he went the uh, Favre had 29 had nearly, picks yeah, yeah. <laughs> 29 wow yeah yeah, yeah and it, then Jameis said hold my beer 
in 2019. I mean, Jameis did it in the most spectacular fashion. He picked six. It had His season had to end that way. It had to end in a pick six to close out the game. Yeah, it, uh, man, that was the, the most spectacular way. Eddie, I mean, let's get your thoughts on here. I mean, I know you're a young man. I don't know if Eli Manning was ever on any of your fantasy football teams back in the day. But, I mean, even being the homer that you are, he's not a Hall of Famer. Uh, I don't think I don't think I'm a homer, but uh, no, I don't. You're I, a homer. Fantasy, fantasy, like Eli is a fantasy Hall of Fame. I would not agree with that. Yeah. Um, and the the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Ken, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I, I think he is for a number of reasons. But no, I mean, he was never like my. If you if you're starting Eli outside of maybe well 2011 and maybe a few other spots, uh, it's it probably either meant the rest of your team was stacked into a quarterback in the last round, or you're just uh, you know your quarterback was on a bye or injured or something because you probably don't want to start Eli. So. so I I probably have to look this up though. But I I I remember I was listening to to Mad Dog on uh, Sirius XM. And I'm pretty sure there was a question, uh, how many postseason wins did Eli Manning have in his non-Super Bowl seasons? Zero. None. Yeah. <laughs> so, so either he went all the way or he went nowhere. Right? No, right. Wow. Yeah, none. Yeah. Didn't have any. I never realized that. Yep. Yeah. That is insane. Wow, that is kind of crazy. Yeah, first round loss to the Panthers, first round loss to the Packers. The other ones 2015, they had a first round. Loss. I remember that Packers yeah. game. That was in that was in Green in Bay. Green Bay, yeah. That was like Odell dropped a, a few balls. McAdoo's first season as head coach. He brought yep. him to the playoffs. I know they lost. I was the they got blown up by the Panthers. I think. They, the no, game. not only did he. Yeah, I mean they were bounced every single time uh, except for 2011 and in 2000 uh, 2007. That's just mm. absurd. Yeah, he played really poorly in all of their losses too. So it was basically like if Eli got hot, like they were going to watch, watch out. Yeah. <laughs> watch Eli out. got hot. Watch out. Yep. Yeah. If he got hot. It was four straight wins. If he wasn't, then yeah, it was a, it was a problem. Yeah. All right. Um, well, that was easy. <laughs> All right. So that moves us on to uh, the Dynasty Top 200 list. Fabs, you just uh, posted yours, uh, what, Friday, I believe it was. Uh, yeah, that was like towards the end of my uh, my sickness. And I'm like, you know, what? I got I'm, I'm like, I got to do something. I'm itching to do something. I'm tired of sweating and sitting in bed doing freaking nothing so i was like yeah let me put this little thing together yeah so uh i went through and you guys can find it uh nfl.com slash fabiano you can go and, and find it there uh, so i went through and and picked out first off the top five at each position in your top 200 mm-hmm. uh and then just some questions about each of them so we'll start the quarterbacks which you know why not uh the quarterbacks no major surprises here i think in the top five lamar jackson patrick mahomes deshaun watson kyler murray and russell wilson uh, I, I figured you'd be surprised though where I have Lamar Jackson. Like I have him not 20, really. I have him twenty sixth, and you know me with oh, quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean overall twenty sixth. I mean no, because yeah. I know you, so I'm not yeah, yeah. really surprised about that at all. Okay. Um, the one thing that surprised me though is like when it came to your your list of quarterbacks, mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers at QB nine. Mm-hmm. Um, is that just because? Is it is it? Aaron, is it about Aaron Rodgers, or is it just about the rest of the guys around him in that ranking? I, I mean, he's. You know, he just turned 36. Mm-hmm. He averaged 17 points a game. He, he was the QB 16 uh, in points per game among quarterbacks. And, I mean, Graham said it, game manager. Like, right. I mean, nine nine might even be too high. Yeah. It might be. A, right. I think that's kind of what surprised yeah, me. I was like, it, I felt it, like it that was. Be, it might even be a little bit too high um, for Rodgers. But he, he's. Yeah. He's coming off a bad season, and you know the. I don't know that he's going to ever come back to being an elite fantasy quarterback. But the guys that I have ranked behind him, there there could be end up being some movement as we go through 
the uh, the, the offseason, but I, I felt like nine was fair for Rodgers at this point. All right. Uh, the other one, Baker at ten, Jameis at eleven. Uh, are we are we hoping for a a Baker? I, it's more. It's redemption. It's, I mean, he's twenty four. Winston's twenty six. Winston has forty four picks in his last twenty seven games, <laughs> and I feel like I feel like Winston, you know, is another three or four interceptions away from being a backup somewhere in the league. We don't even know where he's going to play. Right. Yeah. I mean. Would anybody be surprised if Winston started this season as the as the number one guy somewhere and four games into the year back up? Like I, I just feel like Baker is younger. Mm-hmm. He, he had a crappy year. I get it. You know, maybe things will be different under Stefanski. We'll see what happens. But he's got a lot of talent around him. And I guess I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and, and feel like he could. Maybe that was as bad as it's going to get for Baker. Right. I do wonder, though, you know, with Stefanski and with the Browns, what they want to do is obviously come out and establish Nick Chubb and give him mm-hmm. like 350 carries. Yep. I do wonder if they're going to just take a page out of the Vikings playbook from last year and just really kind of make Baker Mayfield a, 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 sort of a game manager, mm-hmm. run a ton of play action, mm-hmm. not have a you know, ton of pass attempts. I do wonder. I, I just feel, I also felt like, too, Baker has more job security in that. I mean, number one overall pick. The Browns are not going to give up on him anytime soon. They have nothing behind him. He does at have the more position. job security. For sure. Whereas Jameis, you know, don't know where he's going to be in 2020. Right. Could end up back with Tampa Bay. We'll see what happens. But I'd, I'd rather have Baker than Winston in Dynasty at this point. Yeah, you know, it would be interesting. You mentioned the Stefanski angle, too, there. Uh, you know, if if they basically turn Baker Mayfield into Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Um, you know, how that works out. I think Baker could be a more accurate, slightly more mobile version of uh, Kirk Cousins. Of Kirk which, Cousins. Which could be good for fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, where would you have Joe Burrow right now? Because I know you didn't. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah, there are there are no rookies in this list. Yeah, I, I didn't. I mean, <sighs> boy, I, would you rather? He certainly be. He'd certainly be ahead of Aaron Rodgers. He'd be ahead of Drew Brees. I mean, obviously, those are because of right. his age. Boy, I tell you, I, I got to look at. I got to look at the list right now. But I mean, I think yeah, you would have him over Rodgers at QB nine. Oh, really? It's oh, no question about it. Wentz or Josh Allen? Wentz, Burrow, or I, Josh Allen? I, I like Josh Allen so much. Yeah, for All right. I like Josh Allen a lot, man. Um, and Carson Wentz feels so overdue for a huge fantasy season. That just, that's kind of that that's the neighborhood he's going to be in. We just need the stars that's to align. We need Wentz to stay healthy, and we need his pieces around him yeah. to stay healthy for a season. Eagles need yeah. a field stretcher. They need to call Rob. Well, I mean, what Deshaun? I don't know what his contract situation we'll see is off Deshaun's the top of my head, back, but. Yeah. I mean, still a guy who had a whole heck of a lot of speed, just couldn't stay healthy this year. But that's where he'd end up being. Burrow would be like top he, ten ahead of Rodgers, ahead of Breeze, you know, those guys. Yeah. All right. Um, over to the running backs. Uh, they're your top five. Again, not really a lot of surprise. Um, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook. Um, is it injury that keeps Dalvin out of the top three? Is it just the potential? Yeah, for him I, but hurt? well, look at the top three. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah, look. Yeah, I mean, like McCaff- that. All, that also. Yeah, McCaffrey. Say, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Saquon's uh, the number one running back in fantasy football in 2020 when uh, when all is said and done. I mean, Zeke is just super durable and reliable, and he's going to give you you know 20 points a game no matter what. And you know, the Cowboys have McCarthy now. Uh, with Kellen Moore continuing to call the shots, and they're gonna they're gonna just lean on Zeke. They're gonna continue to do that. Kamara and Cook, I feel like they're very close in value. I went with Kamara just because he's got a longer track record, and because like as as good as Dalvin Cook is, and I mean five's pretty good. Mm-hmm. 
Every year he's gotten hurt. Yeah, I no, mean, you five know, is n- nothing to at, laugh about. Every no. every year he's gotten hurt. Uh, but the talent, the talent is clearly there, and we saw that this past season where he could end up being a top three, uh, tw- uh, top three running back, like without question. Uh, get Nick Chubb as your running back six. Does that change? Does he move up if Kareem Hunt isn't in Cleveland next year? It could. Mm-hmm. It could potentially. I mean, when you look at the numbers. I, and, and, you know, we've talked about this on the podcast, too. You know, the targets and the receptions go down. And Nick Chubb is like the true featured back. What we saw in the games where he was the guy compared to when Kareem Hunt. I mean, it, it was there, there was a pretty big difference there. The touchdowns weren't there with Kareem Hunt as well. So and um, so he could I, I could see myself moving him past Dalvin Cook mm-hmm. and potentially Alvin Kamara. But he wouldn't move into the top three for me. Browns have an interesting call with Hunt because he's a restricted free agent. Yeah. They, could, they could bring him back before the deadline passes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I don't know if they will though. Well, and yeah. then he and then he got a little bit of trouble here recently yeah. too. So I don't know. Um, I, I, you know, looking at the numbers, if you go to my, I also uh, posted my uh, top two hundred interesting fantasy facts from twenty nineteen. Uh, Chubb was the RB eight. Um, he averaged six fewer fantasy points and 20 fewer scrimmage yards per game uh, with Kareem Hunt there. Mm-hmm. And he also had just two touchdowns after Hunt returned from that suspension. He had six before that. So it's big, man. Like Nick Chubb is, is like, hell, he could end up being a top five overall pick in redrafts for sure. if Kareem Hunt's no longer in the mix there in Cleveland. That's a big uh, question mark for fantasy fans. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Uh, you know, it's... No, no surprise. Obviously, your your list was very top heavy with running backs. Um, not really a shock there. And I yeah. think, you know, do we believe there are going to be more workhorse backs? I mean, you know, the guys always at the top, right? I mean, McCaffrey, Barkley, Zeke, Kamara, Cook, mm-hmm. Chubb. These are all guys who you know are going to get the ball a ton. Uh, I know Josh Jacobs was sort of near the top of that list as well. Um, I mean, I don't know. Is this just me? being hopeful, wishful thinking that we're going to get more workhorse backs in 2020? It could end up being that way, though, because if you think about it, so we're hoping... I mean, the Chargers are not keeping Melvin Gordon, right? So say Gordon ends up with the Bucs, for example, right? I mean, featured back. So the Tampa Bay goes from having a confusing backfield committee to probably a featured back there and that also opens up the featured role in in Los Angeles for for Austin Eckler right so that could be uh, that that could be one yeah. of the you know one of the moves that that is made during the offseason and if Nick Chubb is the guy in Cleveland and Kareem Hunt goes somewhere else I mean boy then you've got two potentially top 10 yeah. fantasy running backs so you're right uh, and then with some of the guys coming uh, coming in the class of 2020 uh, that we're going to see here with the young kids starting off with the uh, we saw Senior Bowl NFL Combine coming up clearly right. it's going to be here before you know it so it it could be it, it could be a, a very a much deeper class uh, I'm sorry a much deeper position and it could be an easier position to navigate in terms of these backfield situations right yeah I do like where you have Eckler you got him in your top 24 that's the that's the right spot for him yeah because even if he's not back in L A somebody's going to pay him big money and mm-hmm. give him a pr- maybe not a workhorse role but at least a pretty featured role. yeah i like him a lot I, I i was going back and forth between him and jacobs uh josh jacobs who uh, obviously showed that he could end up he could end up being a real fantasy asset for years and years to come but you know age uh is what kept jacobs ahead of eckler but eckler could be a stud man like yeah. if you looked at and and i and this is another thing that i posted in my in my stats i'm going to look this up real quick but if you if you looked at what eckler had done uh before gordon came back he averaged almost 27 fantasy points yeah. per game. If you, Now, obviously, I don't know that he's going to do that over a full 16 games, but 
let's just go pie in the sky. That's 428 fantasy points. That would have been the sixth most <laughs> fantasy points scored by any player in NFL history. Wow. So he's got it in him. Right. He's got it in him. Wow. Um, all right. Wide receivers, your top five, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Thomas, number four overall. He's the first non-running back uh, that you have in your rankings there. We talked a little bit about Drew Brees and, and him possibly coming back for 2020. No official decision made at this point. If he does retire, does does Thomas move? Does he move Ew. at all? Does he move a lot, a little? I, he was still pretty good with Bridgewater, man. Yeah. I don't know that he'd move. And if he did, it wouldn't be more than a spot or two down, you know, maybe below Nuke and, and Devante. But he's he's a star. And, I mean, it's not like the Saints would be going from Drew Brees to, you know, I don't know, Case Keenum. Right. Teddy Bridgewater has shown that he's a, he could be a pretty damn good quarterback in the National Football League. And when he was the guy, he was still peppering Thomas with targets. Yeah, so. I think Michael Thomas has proven that he's sort of like DeAndre Hopkins in the sense that he's quarterback proof. Like, I know it's been <laughs> nice to get Hopkins with the, 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 <laughs> the only player in NFL history who has ever stopped New Hopkins is Brock Osweiler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But everybody else, yes, he's been fine. One of my favorite headlines of all time after a game was, um, I can't remember who wrote it. it was, I think it was Houston Chronicle, but it was Bad B.O. Stinks Up Houston. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It was after a particularly bad uh, B.O. game. He got a lot of money, though. He did. Money, he man. got paid he a lot of scratch to suck. Man. Yeah. Did. I should have learned to be tall. Uh, <laughs> you and me be both, tall and friends. have a very strong arm. That's right. It. I should have learned. I should have learned that, man. Somebody steered me wrong. Uh, your wide receiver six. Uh, I, I, th- I thought you liked this one. Oh, I know. I look, I do. I'm just I'm just curious. Right. Yeah. Juju Smith Schuster, wide receiver six, 13 overall. I would assume a lot of this is because you're expecting Ben Roethlisberger to be back at well, quarterback. I mean, it partially is. He's 22 you know, years old. No, he's still very 23 young. years old. Still he's a very young guy. Young. Absolutely. And, you know, I this season, listen, there, not one thing went right for that Steelers offense. It did not. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Roethlisberger got hurt. Mason Rudolph was awful. Mm-hmm. And then Duck Hodges was the uh, It was a fun story, but let's be honest, guys. Right. I mean, D- D- Duck Hodges, hey, he's, he's not, not he's not a starting quarterback in the National Football League. I'm sorry. Right. So it doesn't it doesn't help that Juju was banged up all year long. Too. You're right. He was hurt. I, I, he, he played 12 games. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, much like may, more than Baker. I mean, Baker is more age, and I feel like he has more job security. But, I mean, Juju is still going to be the number one guy in an offense that we presume will be led by Ben Roethlisberger, mm-hmm. who's still going to be able to throw that, ball, that football around. And unless the Steelers' offense just, you know, has the worst luck in the world again, things should be better in Pittsburgh in 2020 with Roethlisberger at the helm. And, I I mean, Juju's a young guy, dude, and he's a talented guy. And, and that's why I have him ranked so highly here because I feel like you're still going to get, you know, seasons and seasons and seasons to come uh, of pretty good production. And I would think that the Steelers now know that they don't have the quarterback of the future on their roster, and they're going to end up having to make some sort of move here uh, to, to get that quarterback on their roster in the next year or two so yeah i would think that you know they're, they're going to make a move i mean i know ben says he wants to come back but mm-hmm. even if he does man. josh rosen <laughs> there we go hey, josh rosen we revived him again the truth or truth or status lives on yes um <laughs> but the, the steelers do realize that they've got to make a decision very soon about their quarterback position because even if roethlisberger comes back next year his his days are, are sort of limited i mm-hmm. think in, in the nfl um all right tight ends 
Top five, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Evan Ingram, Austin Hooper. First question, Kittle over Kelsey, huh? I mean, I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. It's just, uh, you know. It's, it's an age thing. Uh, I mean, Kittle is, Kittle is what, uh, four years younger than Kelsey. Yep. And I, I feel, you know, like I, I, st- I talked about it in the preseason. I said, I thought that Kittle numbers could regress a little bit. And they did. I mean, his touchdowns weren't great and he had fewer yards, but he also got hurt. But the one thing that I feel like George Kittle proved is that he was not a fluke right. in 2018. He is a good player, an elite player at that position. And I'd rather have him than Kelsey at this point. Why? Mm-hmm. Four years younger. And he is... He is that offensive centerpiece right. for San Francisco. Like their backfield is is an obvious headache for fantasy owners, <laughs> and I think Debo Samuel is going to take a next step next year. He could end up being, you know, we talk about yeah. the, the the wide receivers in their second year sort of bust. Debo could be that guy Dude. in twenty twenty, but I really do feel like. Kittle is the best dynasty tight end right now in fantasy. 100%. I mean, Kittle is going to probably rip off at least four or five straight top yeah. three seasons. And, yep. and a few of those will be top mm-hmm. you know, top one or two. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, still this year, what, 85 catches, over 1,000 yards. You're right. The touchdowns, only only five this year. I yep. say only. But, well, he yeah. started the year really slow, too, because right. he had three touchdowns called back due to penalty, I think, That's in the true. first month of the season. Right. So his, his fantasy numbers could have looked a lot different had those touchdowns not gone away. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And you're right. He is he is the centerpiece of the offense. Um, you know, I dare say he's sort of he's sort of become the face of the team, I think. I know Jimmy Garoppolo, quarterbacks always kind of get that love, but I think I think George Kittle sort of more embodies what that 49er team is. He's like the heartbeat of that team because he's, yeah. you know, he's a fun-loving guy. He's yep. always out there having mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, I mean, you could you can argue that he's the face of the franchise more than Garoppolo is. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I know I know you would never draft him here, but in redraft leagues, do you see him going off the board in the first round? In, no. In first, early second, I, I I could see maybe late second round. That's okay. where I think he'll go. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's where he's going to end up going. I, you, right. Marcus knows me. I'm not doing. Yeah, it, no. I see. I mean, like I said, I know you would Marcus, never do I, it I, there. Yeah, I'm just curious where you know yeah. where people are going to start to to reach for him. Mm-hmm. Uh you got Zach Ertz as tight end six. Yeah. Out of the top five, huh? You, you got Austin Hooper just ahead of him, right? There. Again, age. Uh, Ertz is 29. Mm-hmm. He saw decreases in targets, in catches, in yards, touchdowns, and fantasy points. We were in, all over in, that. In, in 2019. Right. Dallas Goddard has started to, you know, creep up. He's getting more opportunities, and I think he's only going to continue to get more opportunities. Right. Uh, in fact, I think if you can sell high on Zach Ertz in Dynasty right now, might not be a bad move. I'm with you with that, uh, on that 100%. I actually think Dallas Goddard's better than Zach Ertz. I think he provides more after the catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Ertz does not play on the line of scrimmage. He's typically flexed mm-hmm. out. Goddard can play on the line of scrimmage. I think the Eagles are going to get Goddard a big role this coming year. And we all know the Eagles are going to be out looking for new pass catchers. And Zach right. Ertz's targets are only going to go down. I wanted the Cowboys to yeah. get Goddard so bad in that draft. Well, they almost did. I know. They almost did. I know. I wanted, I was like, <laughs> oh, I wanted Goddard so Goddard bad. Goddard would have been perfect. On uh, that he would have been great in that offense. Yeah. yeah. The other part of it, too, is, and I don't remember who's, uh, who posted this, but you know, somebody had a, a chart of all the different personnel groupings that each team uses. And nobody uses 12 personnel. Nobody goes two tight right. ends more than the Eagles do. Mm-hmm. So yep. that means yep. Goddard is going to be on the field a a lot, yeah, a lot next mm-hmm. year as well. Yep. Um, a uh, a tweet that uh, we actually all got um, from James Jansen, and I felt felt like it sort of uh, was fitting with this conversation since we were talking about uh, dynasty leagues. He actually asked if we would talk a little bit about keeper leagues. It's you know sort of different, but kind of the same. He um said he's I think looking to start one. And kind of wanted to get uh, our thoughts and uh, some advice about 
uh, trying to get a keeper league together, anything he should or should not do. I don't know if you guys have any, any thoughts or any quick tips uh, for folks who are interested in you know doing something more than just a redraft league this season. Sure. I think if you're going to start a keeper league, uh, first thing you need to do is, is determine like how long you can actually keep the players. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, if you have like a keeper league where you get to keep your, let's say, top three players every year, there should be some sort of cliff where you can keep them for like three to four years. You shouldn't be able to keep them for the life, forever, the lifetime of their uh, of their of their mm-hmm. playing. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I always have a problem with that though. At the same time, because you could slam dunk of a value like Lamar Jackson in the ninth or tenth round, and you would want to hold on to that guy. Um, another way to get around that is just to have like an escalating round. So like if you draft Lamar Jackson in the ninth round, the following year you would have to give up your eighth round pick uh, to keep him. Mm-hmm. I think that's another fun way to play keeper. Is uh you know you could maybe instead of having you know the windows where you can only keep players for a couple years you can have you know some sort of sliding value where you have to give up in a, a future pick uh, to yeah. keep that player yeah i mean i i was in a keeper league for years and years and years where we had a rule where basically it didn't matter where you drafted the guy like anybody who was drafted outside of the fourth round even if you pick them up off the waiver wire if you kept them he was going to cost you a fourth round pick okay so so the first and second and third rounders were going to cost you exactly that and anybody past that was going to cost you a fourth rounder so it made made a little bit of a different strategy I like, like that you know if if Lamar ja- if you got Lamar Jackson in the you know 10th round and suddenly He's going to cost you a fourth round pick. I mean, you're still probably going to keep him, but it's not as easy as saying, "Oh, you know, you know, eighth, ninth, tenth round pick, Lamar Jackson." He's a, you know, he's he's locked and loaded. And I also like the situation that you had mentioned with like sort of contracts. Yeah, now, you can't love that. You, you can't. You can't. In our league, it was three years. Mm-hmm. So basically, you could try to draft the guy again, yep. but he had to go back into the pool after th- after th- you know in that in that fourth year, he had to go okay. back in the pool. I- so. Yeah, contract leagues are a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played in a contract league for a long time, and it fun- un- unfortunately fell apart. But it was the same thing. Like we, it was literally just NFL style cap space. You had so much cap space that you could spend on certain players. And yep. uh, max contract was three years. And, and Larry Fitzgerald was always worth a, a one year deal. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I I played in a league where. Every anyone drafted after the ninth round was keeper eligible, which sort of made it interesting yeah. when you got to those middle rounds about like, you know, guys that you thought were potential sleepers. And it's like, well, do I do I take the chance and wait a round or so on this guy to make him keeper eligible? Or do I go out and draft him thinking that he might not be on the board for me after the ninth round? And so, you know, those eighth, ninth round picks got really kind of tense a little bit yeah. uh, with guys coming off the board. But, you know, if you look, if you landed a, a Lamar Jackson in the 11th round, you felt great because you did. You you would also, you know, you'd lose your, you know, 10th, 11th round pick, whatever round it was. Um, but you did get to keep him and you got you got yourself a sleeper. So I thought that that was a kind of an interesting way to, to go about it as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, there you go. Uh, leagues are fun, man. It's also like you also have to determine how many players you can keep. How many mm-hmm. you can keep, right? Exactly. That's what so that and and that's why, like, when we get keeper league questions, it's like really hard unless you're very specific. I think that I think most keeper leagues are like three to five mm-hmm. players, right? That's yes, typically mm-hmm. what yep. it is. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So there you go, uh, James. Hopefully that helps. Uh, enjoy if you do get your keeper league started up. Uh, definitely enjoy. And by the way, if you guys have questions during the off season, we are, are certainly glad to, to get them. We will. You know, try to get to as many of them as we can, especially because it is slower now. So if you got the, you know, I guess procedural questions, if you will, or things like that, uh, we're definitely down to talk about it. Um, want to end the show? Uh, look, unless you have, you know, there was no way to avoid it yesterday. Uh, if you were near a a television, a radio, a a phone with the internet, um, you heard about the death 
of Kobe Bryant. Um, died he uh, along with his daughter 13 year old daughter Gigi and seven other people died in a helicopter crash just outside of Los Angeles uh, on Sunday morning um look obviously it's not a football story but it, it is big enough that it you know has kind of consumed everything and everyone I think for the last 24 hours and probably beyond uh you know it was I, I was talking with a, one of my my best friends last night about it and we were both just sort of trying to figure Trying to wrap our heads around this thing, right? Because, guys, I don't. We couldn't think of another situation where you had an athlete um, still so young, uh, you know, not far removed from you know a a literally Hall of Fame all time great playing career, uh, who just died so suddenly. I mean, we we've had athletes die. We've had athletes die young. Um, you know, a guy like Dale Earnhardt died at the Daytona 500. But I mean. Most of the time we came up with it, it was it was athletes who maybe had sort of regional appeal or appeal within their sport. You know, Pat Tillman was a guy who was well known within football circles, but didn't necessarily have the broad appeal. Um, we couldn't think of anything on this level. The closest thing we could come up with was Magic Johnson announcing he had HIV. Um, I mean, this just... I don't know. I feel like, guys, this is going to be one of those, like, you'll remember where you were when you found yeah. out the news that Kobe yeah. Bryant got. I, I, I will. I, I, dude, I mean, I actually had I had gotten a text from a friend of mine, and he had he had uh, sent something on Twitter, and he was like, is this true? You know, because knowing that I live in Los Angeles, and I, I was I was walking uh, with my girlfriend, Matthew and Kylo, down, uh, down to Manhattan Beach to have uh, lunch, and so I had no clue. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, what? what what's this? Mm-hmm. And so of course I, I go right to Twitter and everything's blowing up. I texted some of my, some of my friends, some of whom like knew Kobe Bryant and it's, he had casual relationships with him. And you know, they're like, yeah, like mm-hmm. th- there was a helicopter crash. There, there's, I know people who live in that area where, where the crash actually happened. And I, th- then there was like a lot of, there was, re- there was all kinds of just crazy reports right. going on about who was on the helicopter right. and you know, who, who, the, the the obviously Kobe Bryant was one of my basketball heroes. I mean, I grew up and and you can make fun of me all you want. <laughs> I grew up on in Connecticut, but I was a Lakers fan. I was a Lakers fan ever since uh, the finals against the Sixers, where Magic took over for Kareem, who was injured, and Magic played center, and he went nuts. And and I just I fell in love with the Lakers because of Magic Johnson. And so I, you know I remember where I was when when the HIV announcement yeah. came out. But this is worse because. Kobe lost his life, and and what's worse to me is that his daughter, right. thirteen years old, you know, also lost her life, um, in this in this tragic in, in this tragic accident, and so I, it's going to be something that I'm going to remember not not only just as a sports fan, but I mean just as a human being for the rest of my life because it's such it's such a tragedy, you know, when someone dies so young. I mean, and and you know, I have you know I have Matthew, you know, you know Marcus, you know, as a dad, you at some point I'm sure will be. The thing that just breaks my heart is thinking that helicopter's going down and Kobe knows it and his daughter is right there and here's nothing he can do to stop what's going to happen and that is just the most heartbreaking part of this whole thing. I think I think if anything, it's just a reminder to try to always live in the moment. I right. think when you're with your loved ones or with your friends, whomever mm-hmm. it is, uh, there's a lot of things in life that are completely out of our control. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as we think that we're in control, we're really not. There's a lot of randomness that takes on uh, takes place around us and. Um, you know, yesterday was just a really good example of it. Um, I'm with you though. I mean, I, I grew up, I'm, I mean, I'm going to age myself here, but 
I grew up watching Kobe like all throughout the 2000s. I mean, he's one of my, mm -hmm. uh, definitely one of my idols, I think. Um, went to, two, in 2002, my dad took me to Charlotte Hornets Lakers game. Mm -hmm. uh, and Kobe played just like absolute that entire game. Uh, didn't make a shot, but he hit the game winner. And the whole uh, arena just went completely nuts. It was a fadeaway two from like just impossible shot. He fell back on his, on his butt, made the shot. Um, Kobe had so many moments, just, you know, random Hornets regular season games, obviously just a one-off, but it was like one of those moments in your life where I'll never forget, like, you know, he played terrible that entire game, mm -hmm. but he persevered and, and came back and won it for his team. Uh, There's so many moments in, in Kobe's career where he did something similar to that. And I think, you know, his just ultimate determination and his ultimate competitiveness is yeah. what, what will live on with him is he was just the ultimate, uh, the ultimate athlete. And it's, I still, I'm still in shock. And, yeah, and I'm if we if we learn anything from this too, is that just as human beings, is that like, man, five minutes from now is not guaranteed for anybody. Exactly. So, you know, hug your loved ones, tell them that you love them. Uh, someone who may be a, a, an adversary, hey, you know, let's yeah, let's smooth things over, man. Like, I mean, because literally, not you know, these every day is not <laughs> is. You know, is a is a blessing that that you wake up on. Uh, you know, you, you just you just never know. Um, just it, it hurt. It, you know, I mean, yeah. it, I I grew up you know following Kobe and and the great teams with Shaq and you know Man, those Shaq those Shaq Kobe years. Were I, I mean, it, yeah, it, it, and that was he's just a great player. You know, all all the like the arguments and the debates you would have. You know, who's better, Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant? You know, he got to that level right as a player. He was right. he was that good. But I also think you know those debates are futile. You know, it's it's just like Kobe. I mean, it's it's fun fodder. Yeah, it is but exactly. At the same exactly. time, like all you know, MJ, Kobe, LeBron, all of these guys are legends, and yeah. and what Kobe has left behind, the legacy he's left behind, is uh, will will forever endure. Yeah, uh, I mean, Eddie, I don't know if you had any any thoughts you wanted to kind of jump in here with. Uh, yeah, just uh, I'm similar to Graham in that, like, I remember my first basketball hero, non-Knicks hero, was Jordan, but Jordan was already playing, obviously, when I was born in 92. So Kobe was, like, the first guy that I was, I guess, cognizant enough where it's like I could grab the remote and put on a basketball game. And so I was uh, – and, and basketball was my first love. It was the first sport I played. It was the first job I really had was in uh, within the NBA. So like, I've always uh, had an attachment to the sport. And it just shows you, like, you know, Last night was the Grammys, and, and there was a whole segment on, on Kobe and every single athlete across, you know, whether it's soccer players over in Europe or it's mm -hmm. uh, NFL guys or NHL guys. Everyone's doing a, a tribute to Kobe, so it shows that he was just loved uh, across uh, all platforms, whether it was in sport or entertainment. And uh, he was just a guy that was just the best competitor. He was the icon of at least this uh, our generation, yeah. Graham. No and, uh, and, and think about all the great players the Lakers had when you go back to Elgin Baylor and Jerry West and you, and, and he, Kobe is probably the guy that sh shines the brightest, um, which is, you know, that speaks volumes. So it's something that's just, uh, obviously it's awful for not only him, his daughter, and then the other families and, and little girls that were with them going to their basketball game. It's just, it's miserable I mean, to read, but, um, you know, he was really one of the all time greats. And, and I saw somebody tweet, like you were not a great NBA player unless you were compared to Kobe Bryant. Like, I think that's like the best way to, to describe yeah, him. It's perfect. And I, I think, you know, all the young players that are, I mean, the NBA is just littered with so much young talent. It's such a good time to be an NBA fan. Yeah. But all of these guys were inspired by Kobe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's been amazing to me, not only the, obviously the NBA guys, but just, as Eddie said, across sport. I mean, it's to, to see, you know, Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield, to see Neymar uh, after he scores a goal, uh, you know, throw up the 2-4. Um, mm -hmm. 
has been amazing. I will say, I really was trying, I spent a lot of time, I'm sure like a lot of people, just trying to wrap my head around this whole thing. Um, I know near the end of his basketball career, as it was winding down, one of the things I always said and was always curious about was what would Kobe's life after basketball be like? Because watching him play and watching his career, it just seemed like he was so singularly focused on basketball. And I always just kind of wondered, like, would he be lost without the sport? What would he be like? I mean, I, I, I always kind of joke that he would be like the, you know, bitter old guy that would show up to a YMCA and just start dominating games <laughs> or whatever. Um, and I think part of what has hit me so hard about this is seeing how he has really flourished after his basketball life and sort of, I think, understanding what, what, you know, the quote unquote Mamba mentality was. I think we've shorthanded it now to just to say, shoot your shot. Um, but I feel like his post basketball life really was a lot like his game on the court. I mean, Graham, you talked about that game. You saw him play where he didn't play well, but he, he kept shooting. And if there was always a criticism of Kobe's game, it's that he met a, he never met a shot he didn't like, but he kept he kind of kept going the Man. whole time. And and I felt like after basketball, I mean, this is a guy who, you know, he dabbled in music uh even during his career. I think he like had a, a a record label and he had a couple of rappers, but Kobe won an Oscar, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. he, he, he got into you know, production, television, movie production. He wrote the scripts for the commercials he was in. He really branched out with the idea of whatever he was going to do, he was going to learn how to be great at it. And, you know, you talk about not having anything promised for you in terms of time and when tomorrow and, and anything like that. Um, and I think, to me, it's just a reminder of, you know, whatever you want to call it, have the Mamba mentality, shoot your shot, go do what it is. Do, do that thing that you've always wanted to do because, you know, you just don't know if that's going to come around again at any point. Kobe is, like, I, I, not definitely not the first athlete, but he's one of the most – he's one of the athletes at the forefront of putting hard work first over the glamour and fame. Mm-hmm. I mean, the dude, in 1997, they are playing the Jazz, game five, four straight air balls. Yep. Yep, four straight air balls. Oh, I remember. Basically, kick off his career. Yep. Um, and he came back, and and uh, I mean, I think that that moment in that game, and that limelight, uh, that failure motivated him. Absolutely, um, and pushed him throughout his career. And I think, I think that's really the lasting memory of Kobe is just that that hard work and, and your determination of what you put into something is is what eventually you'll get out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's just look, the the athlete, the man that he was, you know, is so varied and so wide even in you know look i'm 42 years old right he was 41 in a relatively short time on this earth able to kind of do so much and touch so many people um i don't think there's any way we can encompass it in our you know the 10 minutes we have here and uh you know uh, we will i'm sure see and read remembrances of him for uh days and weeks to come um so uh you know all our thoughts and prayers to to his family his his you know friends teammates competitors all the people who knew him certainly on a level that that most of us were never going to get to but uh just a, a horrible horrible thing and i think everybody especially the city of los angeles um just still completely in shock for it so um there you go uh that's it wrapping it up we are done we uh we appreciate you downloading and listening as always you know the drill tell two friends to tell two friends rate review and remember love the people god gave you because one day he's going to take them back we'll see you on wednesday
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And hmm. not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.